got on you. Did she say historic? Yes, this is an historic event. That is sadly mistaken. <laughs> uh, I did notice we didn't get a standing ovation. Yeah, yeah. yeah what, the, what the hell? Yeah, we're, we're a little bummed. Everybody's still trying to figure out what's going on here. Uh, Hopefully, they, that's what we say at the end too. What yeah, is going on? Here? Yeah, yeah. They well, I hope you guys are ready for this. Um, you have heard all the inspirational stuff today. This is. Would you say this is inspirational? Well, far from inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you'll find any inspiration, but hopefully a little bit of enjoyment. Yeah. So everybody, welcome to the, and this is our very first Dirt Talk Live. We've never done this before. We're usually in a 10-foot box. In the room office. is the size of the stage. Yeah, yeah. So this is unique, but we're going to act like you guys aren't there, and we're going to do our typical show. Can we, can we just get a show of hands of who actually knows what build it is and what we do? Okay. Look at that. That's, That's better than the boss. There we go. <laughs> Number of hands. That's okay. fantastic. Cool. Great. For the rest of you, we're not going to explain anything else. Yeah. There's yeah, no, we'll no more context right for you available yeah. today. <laughs> Figure it out as we go. Well, I feel like before we get started, um, definitely thanks to Tiffany for uh, kind of setting the stage for us. Um, Aaron, if you wouldn't mind taking just a minute or two to do a quick introduction of what we do at BuildWit. Yeah. So what we do at BuildWit We've uh, referenced the dirt world a lot. The dirt world is infrastructure, roads, bridges, pipelines, that kind of thing. Natural resources is what we call the dirt world. It's anything in the, the horizontal plane of the construction space. Um, we travel, I travel a lot to go see and experience the dirt world. I started out, uh, my, my dad's a tax lawyer, so I had no background in blue collar life, but I started out by cold calling the owner of a construction company working in my neighborhood saying, could I have a job? He said, sure. So I started out as a pipe layer right out of high school, 18 years old. And that was my plan, go start a construction company because how hard can that be? So I worked for a bunch of different contractors while I was in college, got an engineering degree, worked for Kiwit, Skanska, some others, went into road construction out of school. Um, but that's when my career took a terribly, terribly wrong turn. And I quit my job in construction to tell stories about construction. I mm -hmm. saw an opportunity to tell people about what the heck we do as an industry. We're expecting all these kids to run into our industry, but they don't even know it exists. So that's, that's insane. We have to get the word out. So I started running around the country with a camera onto any job site that would have me on, which was very few. Most everybody told me to kick rocks and told stories. It started to grow. We built a, a niche marketing business that just tells stories, works with dirt world contractors, heavy civil contractors, uh, around the United States. And then over the past year, we've grown into a software business. Uh, and so now we do training and development. We have, as of next month, we'll have about a thousand training courses for people on heavy civil job sites to learn anything like how to inspect the undercarriage of an excavator to how to resolve a conflict on a job site. So that is BuildWit in a nutshell. But on the side, we have our social media influence and the Dirt Talk podcast. And Eric Jumper. And Eric Jumper. A whole different He's sometimes the on the podcast. <laughs> Once in a while. Yeah. And uh, thanks, Aaron, thanks for laying that out for, for everybody here. Um, one thing I think is interesting about your story, and um, this also goes for your story as well, Eric. You both um, eventually started like posting photos of the stuff you were doing, the stuff you cared about, which was equipment and, and construction and the people doing that work. Yeah, it's basically how I got a job here. Yeah. It's well, just posting online. You, mm -hmm. Just posting online. But you both also like eventually, you know, picked up a camera and started doing that. But you're both very quick to say, I'm not a photographer. No, you happen to shoot not. the things you like, but it is, that's not 
your skill set. That's not why you're shooting because you like photography. It's because you like the story you're telling with the camera. We happen to be good at taking photos of equipment and people in construction because nobody else wants to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you had to love it first. The bar, we like pretty low. At. Yeah. But people, they'll, hey, can you take my family photos? No. I, I, I don't even, I barely even know how my camera yeah, works. How many weddings have you shot, Aaron? Zero. Chase, Chase asked me the other day, he's like, how much paid work did you do before you started taking pictures of bulldozers? I'm like, none. You're like, I did it for free. And then yeah. someone said, can you do that for me? You said, sure. Now it costs money. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and that's how to make a business, everybody. <laughs> there you go. Business 101. Solved. Right here. Uh-huh. It's a historic event. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, you kind of mentioned the, the social media, like posting these photos that y'all have taken on job sites and just kind of what you've been doing in, in your career. Why do that other than just for the same reasons I might post, oh, look at this beautiful dinner that I had. Like, why, why does that matter to you? I like tractors and there's like five or six other people out there that like tractors. Mm -hmm. So I took photos of tractors that I saw. So those five or six people could also see those tractors. Well, explain, (laughs) explain to the fine people, explain to the fine people your background. Okay. So I have the opposite upbringing of Aaron. Um, I came from a not so well off family, a third generation earth mover. Um, Been doing this for a long time and I'm not that old. So my dad would drag me on a job site. So when I was a kid, as, as soon as I could walk, there's pictures of me um, in heavy equipment as a, as a toddler. Um, had my first paid job when I was 14. I worked in a landfill. Uh, we told everybody I was 18. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, would, I, would, I would pencil a mustache on my face every day to make <laughs> myself look older. So I've, I've, I've got a wide variety of different Earth moving activities, anything from uh, landfill cell expansions, heavy highway, um, a lot of these these fast paced construction jobs that are coming out. I've got some experience in that. So I, I've been a very skilled operator for a number of years. And then, um, you know, uh, um, in that whole time, I was posting online uh, different photos, the work I was doing. Um, and then Aaron came along. Um, I first saw one of your posts in like 2017. And I was like, whoa, this guy's posting stuff online. That's really dumb. And then like a year later, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, um, he, he might be onto something. Well, maybe I should post too. And then <laughs> I should, yeah, and then I bought a drone and I started doing stuff. The, the jury's still out on that. Well, um, so then uh, I ended up here because I bullied you on Instagram for about a year. Mm-hmm. And so you gave me a job. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of my story. Now, uh, we don't really know what I do here. So we made up a fake title and I'm a, now a Dirt World expert. Yes. Yeah. So once we figure out what I actually do, and how my paycheck is derived and given to me, then we'll know more. It's about. all it's all community. Yep. Yeah. We, we told Eric he'd get paid at the end. Yeah, yeah. I'm still. I'm actually still waiting. He's just I, banking up just, hours. It's an IOU and a note card right next, now. Next week's <laughs> actually my two year anniversary. <laughs> so I'm. I've been waiting a long yeah. time yeah. for my money. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. I, I started, like I said, sharing pictures about construction because I, I I looked on social media and it's an amazing tool if you use it as a tool. You can mm-hmm. either use it as uh, something to consume time, waste time, or you can use it as a legitimate tool to communicate, build relationships, and push something forward. The the love of mine has always been earth moving, tractors, dirt, anything that pushes dirt back and forth. Uh, and I saw, I looked on social media, and there's all this amazing storytelling. You know, nature photographers, car photographers, all amazing things. Every topic you can think of. Every topic. But then I tried to find cool shots and stuff about what I loved, heavy equipment, 
and it didn't exist. So I thought, well, why don't I start telling a compelling story, not just cell phone pictures, but actually trying to become a professional at this, mm. at the storytelling to just educate people about what we do. And maybe along the way, we'll inspire somebody to think about the industry as a career. Mm -hmm. But if nothing else, we'll give people, like, like my mom, I use my mom mm -hmm. as an example. My mom's never gonna work in construction, but at least give her a sense of appreciation for what this industry does because she could not live the life she does without this industry, without these people working day and night to make sewer happen, water happen, power happen, and all of us are in the same boat here. So one, hopefully go inspire the next generation, but two, just give society an appreciation for this world because it's desperately needed. And do you think that uh, companies in this industry use social media in the same way? When we first start, I mean, it's... It's, it's still pretty rough. It's just now catching on. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah it's just now catching on. It's mostly just holiday posting. A lot of holiday posting. <laughs> yeah. Happy Labor Day. Yeah, or, or company barbecue. Yeah, or the company. Yeah, yeah. but... It, it, Social media, it's been ignored in this industry. We've, we've hidden under a rock mm -hmm. because for the sake of compliance or what, Li what, liability. liability. I, I just had this conversation like, yeah. this weekend with a guy that I ran into. He's like, you guys should, should do stuff with us. And I'm like, you're a demo company. You're probably not going to like it. He's like, oh, what do you mean? I'm like liability. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. And so instead, we've just hidden ourselves under a little mm -hmm. rock. Mm -hmm. But now no one knows about us. And now we're wondering, well, why can't we find a workforce? Well, it's because no one knows about us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we're trying to undo that, mm -hmm. um, but in a, a intelligent way. Yeah. Well, semi-intelligent. Yeah. yeah, most of the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah there's, been, there's been some nasty emails that have come across yeah. my desk, but yeah. it's okay. Well, that's just par for the course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, as a podcast producer, I can tell you I get plenty of nasty emails about the podcast. Too. Oh, from listeners? That's good. Yeah. Lots of, how dare you? Yeah. How, how to, to Aaron, specifically. Yeah. yeah. Um, big dirt. Well, talking about y'all's uh, just telling stories on social media of what matters to you um, and why the Durrell specifically matters, I'd love to hit a couple. I've got a couple examples. I'd love if y'all would just talk about it. Sure. That would be great. All right. Let's uh, go. These examples I've never seen before. Right? You've never yeah, seen I've it. I've never seen these <laughs> once. <laughs> this is totally new. All right. So that first one, Aaron, this is to you. What is this? Okay, so as I explained, I run around and look at cool stuff. This is an example of cool stuff. Where I'm at in this photograph is on the airport, the main runway in Zurich International Airport in Switzerland. So earlier, I, I basically, I, I message a guy on the internet and say, hey, you see a lot of cool projects in Switzerland. I want to see what they do in Switzerland. Could you get me in? He's like, yeah, sure. So I fly halfway around the world and go meet this guy I've never met before. And he gets us into these projects. But the project they said would not be possible was the airport demolition at Zurich International Airport. And we say, that's okay. We're going to go see cool stuff anyway. Next day, he comes over to us. You guys want to go to the airport tonight? And we're like, yeah, sign <laughs> me up. So we go through. It's about 10 p.m. We go through airport security like you're getting on a flight. You get in a van. And we're standing on the side of the runway as the final planes for the evening land. So we are right next to where the planes are coming in. And there's about 150 workers, all head to toe, high vis and equipment idling. And everybody's just standing around, smoking cigarettes, shooting the poop, whatever they're doing, waiting for these planes to stop. As soon as planes stop, it's probably 1130 at night, everybody is tearing out to the runway. And the reason why everybody was so frantic 
is because they're repaving the entirety of the runway, but they can't stop the planes. So they have to do 70 meter sections. I think it was 70 or 80, 70 meter sections every night, every night, every night. And so they start when the last plane stops and they have until six in the morning. If they go over six in the morning, $20,000 a minute LDs. And they have to do this perfectly, perfectly over 70 times to complete the project. So it was amazing because this, this photograph, this is a, a Caterpillar 385 and a Caterpillar 395, a machine that didn't exist. They kind of made it up before they actually made a 395. Mm -hmm. This was maybe 10 minutes after the last plane had landed. So within a minute, they had hammers on the runway, hammering out the concrete. They have these custom excavator buckets, these slab buckets, ripping up the buckets, articulating trucks are pulling up on either side. They're tossing the concrete back and forth. It's freezing, it's raining. The workers are going all over. It's like someone stepped on an ant pile, but it was just beautiful, beautiful at the same time. And by six in the morning, the asphalt was out there. Everything was done. Planes were landing. Just another day at the office. And they're and they're turning it from concrete to asphalt. Yeah, concrete to asphalt. I've yeah. heard. Uh, so I've one of the annoying parts about traveling with you is I've heard that story like six times now. It's a good story. One of the new thoughts. These people that, haven't. One of the new thoughts. <laughs> well, I, I know they have. I'm just. I'm just saying. One of my new perspectives on this story is that I'm thinking of like an airplane pilot that lands there every day and every day like. Yeah, wait a minute. Why is the runway color changing <laughs> yeah. every day? It's, it's, it's creeping a little, a little bit more. creeping out a little further. <laughs> What's going on here? Yeah, it was it was just spectacular. Mm -hmm. I, I've never seen such brilliant coordination in such a tight work area. Um, and it was uh, one of my favorite moments of the past few years. The the customization that that company puts into equipment is unbelievable. Yeah. And if anybody knows anything about paving, they were not paving with a paver. They were paving with a bulldozer. If that says anything, it was really cool. Mm -hmm. Every time I've heard you tell that story, I think about the first time you told it and you're excited, which is like, guys, 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 <laughs> yeah. guys. Well, the coolest part I forgot to explain. So in the United States, when you form a joint venture, they, my company's Aaron, Eric's company's Eric. It's the Eric and Aaron joint venture. You know, it's something like that. There's exciting. no imagination. This joint venture oh, yeah. <laughs> was called Midnight Force. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you guys are forming some JVs out there, think about it because the Europeans the, the have bar it now. is high. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we were, I think we were actually recording a podcast right when he got back, and he was telling this story. And so he gets to the Midnight Force part. He says, and "They were called Midnight Force," and, I, and me and then the other podcast producer in the room, Harrison, both go. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very rad. Uh, uh, thanks for talking about that. It's it's a, a great shot, and I think um, you can see like. There's a lot going on there. I mean, 15 pieces of equipment in that shot? Yeah. Nuts. Yeah. Next one. Uh, Eric, I think this is you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I took this photo. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a cool photo for me. I've taken um, literally hundreds of thousands of photos in my two years here. Uh, and this is one of my favorite ones. It's not really that different than the, the stuff I shoot. Uh, it's a it's a Volvo 950 excavator loading a haul truck. Uh, it's it's pretty on par for um, what I do. There's there's a lot of white in the background because I'm really anti cloud. Um, <laughs> don't ask me why. Those just, clouds, I just man. Hate clouds. Yeah. I just <laughs> yeah. love, a, love a nice, yeah. perfect background. How dare they? Uh, um, the difference with this photo and why it's so important to me is because when I was talking before about how I'm a third generation Earth mover, 
Um, most of my career I've actually spent working around my dad. Um, and I know a lot of you are probably like, oh, foreman's kid. Um, but I, <laughs> working for your, for your father is one of the most difficult jobs to have because you are the guy that has to do all of the, the worst work on the job. Um, and I worked with my dad probably, I would say 75% of my career. Um, and then I came here, obviously I don't work with him anymore. How many, how many wrenches did you get thrown at, thrown at you? Oh, I've had wrenches thrown at me. I've had paint cans thrown at me. I've had hard hats in the cab. Um, yeah, no, I, I've had the brunt of it. So in the cab of that excavator is actually my dad running it. So he's he's a general superintendent for an earth moving and uh, utility company in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and he does not really get a lot of seat time anymore. Um, he's the guy I learned everything from. And I was able to go out to this job Um and photograph the operation, which was, it was like full circle for me to be able to like go from working alongside my father to, okay, now I'm like able to watch him work from this new perspective. Um, and that day, the guy that was running the 950, he didn't get a lot of breaks. Um, so everybody else in the job gets except for him because he's running, you know, the big machine that's moving the, the dirt. You can't stop the dirt from moving. So my dad was nice enough to go run the machine for him for a half hour so he could take lunch break and the dirt could keep moving. So it was super awesome. I was not expecting to be able to take a photo like this that day. And like, just like I was standing there taking this photo and I just kind of stu stood back and was like, oh, wow, this is like kind of surreal. Were you, were you giving him grief on his cycle times? Um, he was not the fastest that day. Yeah. <laughs> it was his first yeah. time running that machine. On so. the radio, pick it up, old man. Yep. Uh, yeah. He was, he was, uh, above one minute on his cycle times, which is absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot have that on these big jobs. Uh, um, yeah, so that was that was a fun day. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, he's, cool. he always bugs me, you know, when you come back, I'm like, what are you going to pay me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Oh, that's a good one. I love that shot too. He's, he's kind of perched yeah. like up above. It's cool. Yeah, that's one of my favorite photos. That's pretty cool. All right, next one. Oh, this is a good one, Aaron. This, this is a good one. It's a good one. Yeah. Maybe one of your best. One of my favorites uh -huh. that I've, and like, like Eric, I've taken, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of photos at this point. This is, this is uh, in Saudi Arabia and just outside of, of Riyadh, the capital of the country. They had us out there. This was my second time in Saudi and we were basically documenting some of the largest infrastructure projects in the world out there. Right now, they're essentially diversifying their economy away just from oil. They've been purely dependent on oil for an oil and gas for a very long time. They still will be, but they're trying to diversify their economy, attract foreign investment. So the scale of infrastructure projects is just mind bending. And to build infrastructure, you start by moving dirt. So this was, we, we go way outside of town, two hours outside of town. We're five days into this trip. We're on airplanes every single night. We're just exhausted. We get all the way down this dirt road, probably an hour on this dirt road. And we didn't speak their language. So we didn't even know what we were going to look at. You kind of just show up and okay, you get what you get. And over the edge, there was this scene and there was one D11 up on top. And I was I was stoked. I wasn't expecting to see a D11, which is Caterpillar's biggest bulldozer. It's, it's, a, it's a, just a monster machine. I saw one up and then we go over this hill and there's all of these dozers slot dozing side by side by side. This was just a few of them. There were tons of them. So they were blasting and they were pushing all this material. We're up 
on a, a, a like mesa, and then the valley floor is down here. They're building down in the valley floor in the middle of the desert, a Formula One track. I mean, because why not? So you, you need, the only problem is it's on the bottom, on the valley floor. You need to get to the Formula One track. So they're building a road from here to here by basically just blasting this part and shoving it off the edge to then connect the two dots. So this was up top here. They have all these dozers, but we were in the thick of things. I was down there shooting all these dozers and then everything just stops. And all the operators start to get out of their machines. And I'm like, what the, what the heck's going on here? And they all are carrying their prayer rugs and they set up their prayer rugs right in the cut of the machine and start praying in the middle of the day. So this was just such a special moment for me because it was in this just remarkable place. We're in the middle of the desert in Saudi Arabia, halfway around the world. Remarkable machines, bulldozers, who doesn't like bulldozers? And then this different culture that I had never really experienced before all wrapped up in one. And I was lucky enough to be the guy there with the camera. So this was, this was a really cool, really cool experience. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the scale of it's beautiful. It's a really cool shot. Uh, yeah, I, 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 can, I can put myself in this photograph and experience what I was experiencing. And yeah. it, was, it was just so special. That's cool. It kind of burned in your brain a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's a great question, uh, Chase. <laughs> so a lot of what we're talking Welcome. about today, we make YouTube videos. He's actually the one that makes them, which is why he's throwing that out there. But if Shameless you want to experience plug. this kind of stuff in a video format, it's all on our YouTube channel. Just avoid the ones where it's only him talking. Try to find the ones where it's both of us because it's a little more compelling. Uh, uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just look up Aaron Witt. It's a little dry. Bit. It's a little dry when it's You'll just him talking. Yeah. Today we're looking at bulldozers. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> Love it. Oh, so right can on. I buy that picture off of you? Yeah. For sale? Yeah. I'll give you 20 bucks. Okay. Deal. That's fair. Uh, we got two more. Let's see. Uh, first of all, actually, before we dive into it, Eric, you started on, I guess, on Instagram where you started this. Mm -hmm. you, you started posting um, photos of, of old equipment. Junk, garbage, Just trash. junk, like yeah. didn't mm -hmm. run. It was mm -hmm. not working anymore. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about like that project and what it's meant to you and why? Yeah, it's, it was um, kind of a silly thing that I started. So I started this thing, a uh, series uh, called Sunday Service, where I had for a, a long part of last summer, I was running into a lot of old equipment. And at the time, it was just kind of didn't really mean a lot to me. I was just like, oh, wow, there's a lot of really junky tractors in this field. I'll take a picture of it, but I don't know what to do with it. And then I just ended up having a big folder in my hard drive full of old junk, titled old junk. Mm -hmm. And one day I was like, ah, maybe I'll start posting these. Then I posted a couple and it did pretty well. And I was like, I'm going to make a series out of this. So every Sunday, um, I post one of these uh, old junky machines. And there's usually a story behind it. And that story has been kind of the fun for me in why I continue to do this and why I continue to post. Because uh, it's, you know, just an old machine. But at the same time, these machines, these equipment, um, these things that are just rusting away in fields that's what was used to build our infrastructure that we know today yeah it's weird how much people enjoy seeing these old pictures it's crazy yeah people love old junk let's show me old junk yeah here's some old junk and so, now for some old junk everybody this yep. is that the, is old junk that is the very first sunday service 
this was Sunday service episode one. Um, this is one of my favorite photos because it's just so like disturbing to look at. Like this is, this was somebody's baby at one point. When somebody bought this coring excavator back in like 1985, they were like, thank God somebody bought me a new excavator. I don't have to run some old piece of junk anymore. And now it's an old piece of junk. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, it's being used as a mulch backstop. This was almost two years ago. Uh, so this thing may have been cut up for scrap by now. And a lot of the stuff that I've taken photographs now has been probably cut up for scrap. So to me, it's a lot of documenting, I guess, history and also sort of appreciating these machines of days gone by. I, I also do a lot of shows. So there's a lot of uh, people like me that are absolutely crazy. Equipment shows. Yeah. 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 Um, so... People who have worked in this industry for so long, their only hobby is to work outside of work. Mm -hmm. So they'll go and buy like old machines like this and put them in, um, basically they call them shows. Um, and it's essentially a bunch of old dudes with old equipment and they push dirt back and forth all day. And it's a great time. Uh, you can, you know, learn how to run these old things. They're way more complicated to run than any modern piece of equipment. Um, so I've just grown a, a strong appreciation for this stuff over the years. Mm -hmm. Over the, Well, I guess over the year. I'm glad someone appreciates this stuff because I don't. Yeah, you don't care it's, at all. It's junk. Yeah, yeah. it is yeah. junk. Yeah, It is junk. <laughs> As but your boss. It's my junk. He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. Well, up my, here, my, up my, here my, we're all on the same stage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My paycheck's still cash. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right on. And thanks, I don't care Eric. what he likes. Uh, we got one more. This one's for Aaron. One more. I Oh. I didn't, I, I forgot which the last one was. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. The closer. So this, funny enough, was one of the first pictures I took. I was paid. This was my first paid shoot ever. Some guy handed me a $2,000 check to come out and photograph his operations in so, uh, South Carolina, logging operations, Bellwether Forest Products. I, I remember holding the check like, this is a ridiculous amount of money. And I, holy smokes. I can actually do this and get paid for it. We, we're, we're on to something here, mom and dad. But this was uh, a guy, John Lee. And this is really the reason why we do what we do. Mm -hmm. It's the, the equipment's cool. The, the operations are cool. The scale of it's all fantastic. But it's these human beings that make the world go around. John Lee, he's been in the woods for 50 years. This is an old guy. He started logging by hand. And now he runs a loader. And a loader, and if, if you're unfamiliar with logging, so you have a feller buncher go into the woods and cut the trees down. They'll stack them in piles. A skidder will come along with a big claw, grab the trees, drag them through the woods to what's called a deck. And then the loader is at the deck and the loader sorts all of the wood and cuts it all to size. So in a track, in a logging track, you're gonna have a lot of different mills being fed by that same amount of trees. So you're gonna have power poles, you're gonna have pulp wood, and all of the mills have different specifications. So this guy is identifying what different trees go to what mill just in his head and cutting everything to spec. A truck comes in, loads them, just making it look like art. And that's what I, I, I love. I, I love capturing these stories because somebody like John Lee, when he retires, he goes away. He goes away forever. All of the knowledge that he's accumulated over his whole career just walks off for the first time and it never comes back. And so that's what we're trying to do is at least just get a little bit of John Lee's story captured so that we have that to go help inspire the next generations and go lead and, and grow the next generations. So that's this is still to this day one of my favorite photographs, one of the very first ones I took, the first one I took from a paid shoot 
Um, and I, I'm gonna go. We're gonna go see him in two weeks. Two oh weeks. yeah, that's right. We yeah, are. yeah. Weeks. We'll be with him that's in two weeks. Awesome. Yeah. To the day. That's Funny awesome. enough, one of my favorite headshots is also of a bellwether employee, uh-huh. and it's of a 20 year old kid who just started in logging. That's so cool. A year, a year and a half ago. It's so cool. And There's something special. Learn how to run the skitter. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it is about logging, but it's these guys in in the woods. Is that for us? Thank you. Wow. Oh, so, yeah. so sorry. Sorry. We're so, not done. Right. Yeah, See, yeah, those yeah. guys, Hold they on. they like us. Um, but it's it's these people toiling away in the woods in a place that society never sees, and yet everybody depends on them. You know, it's who's, who it's here crazy. has used toilet paper, for example? Probably everybody. Yeah. It's this guy that makes it happen. It's crazy how the literally the only time you see these guys is when they're pulling out on the road with the log trucks, and then you get mad because they're in your way. Yeah, like that's the only yeah. time you ever see loggers. Yeah. Is when they're like, do you way. understand what it took to get just from yeah. the forest to here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Looking at, at folks like John Lee, I, I feel like we talk a good bit about how. Please hold your applause. <laughs> wow, <it's> amazing. <laughs> uh, we we talk a good bit about how like folks like him have this uh, expertise that they've just have, have built and acquired over the course of a career. Um, but I think there's a lot of parts of the industry where when, when folks like him retire, that, that expertise and, and uh, kind of that artistry get, gets lost. That's not getting passed down. Um, you know, we, we talk a good bit about there's this workforce problem and certainly everybody in this room sees the negative impact of that, but what, like in your experience and, and just like the conversations y'all are having, what is, what is the workforce problem? First of all, like, what does that really look like in our industry, but also what is causing that? Well, these dang kids just don't want to work these days. That's it. That's all it is. <laughs> That's exactly it. Kids. It's lazy kids. It's, lazy. it's millennials. It's colleges. Yeah. It's, that's that's kind of where the industry's at. Is it's um, we're, we're blaming. We're 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 looking at outside factors and saying that's that's our problem. And my my argument is okay. Yeah, maybe you're right. You're prob- you probably are right. But at the end of the day, infrastructure and the work you guys do too, it's critical. So we can't just say and just throw our hands up. Ah, sorry, society, we couldn't figure it out. So the the roads you got right now, that's kind of it. Or drinking water, like. We, we've done our best, but we, we just can't figure it out. That's not an option. And so until we look ourselves in the mirror and say, hey, this is our responsibility. We need to figure this out. And it starts with us. It's not going to get any different. So I think, I mean, the workforce problem, it, 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 it's not unsimilar to a lot of other industries. It's we have a lot of work right now and it's a lot of critical work. It's infrastructure. This is not stuff that we can skimp on. Uh, have a lot of work, but we don't have the people to do it. And we have a aging workforce. John Lee, he's only got a few more years left. I yeah. mean, he's he's well past retirement age. He's still out there every day. He, people like that are a dying breed. Mm-hmm. And so until we sit here and say, hey, let's do something different, it's it's not going to get any better. But that's not an option at the end of the day. Not an option. Oh, a lot of it's the stigma too. Yeah. So one of my, one of my favorite stories um, that still like irks me to this day I was not a star student in high school. Shocking. Um, well, you were working a full-time job when probably, you were 13 yeah. years old. Yeah, well, that's part of the story. <laughs> at the landfill. Not. Believe it or not. Um, so I barely graduated high school. Um, dumb as a doornail on, on, on books. But I can move dirt really well. Uh-huh. And I somehow ended up in a physics class in my senior year. And my physics teacher hated me because I didn't want anything to do with that class. Mm. 
And every day he would use me as an example because he knew that, you know, after work I would go, you know, work with my dad or, you know, do something. And he always called me the dumb ditch digger. And I, oh. hate, I hated that. Hmm. And I always thought like, this is just how it is. Like, I'm just going to accept my fate. Like, it's fine. And every day he's like, you don't want to be like Eric. You're just going to end up being a dumb ditch digger. And I, I'd probably make like twice as much as that guy now. <laughs> you know, we made, we made a joke Take about that. Well, we yeah. made a joke about ditch diggers the other day because we were in Calgary, Pace and I, up in Canada, and and we go visit an underground utilities company, and so we want to go see their projects. They do water lines on residential, and they say, "Do you, do you guys want to go ride in the helicopter after the job site?" And we're like, "Yeah, I, sure, helicopter, yeah, yeah, let's let's go. Why not?" And so we get to their office. The helicopter is sitting next to the office, and okay, we're gonna go ride in the helicopter to lunch. So we land in this farm outside of Calgary, Canada, in this farm to have lunch. And, and the dad who was running the helicopter, who owns the company, he was like, oh, yeah, you know, when, when you land, everybody's like, who, who's that? Yeah. And then, oh, we just tell them we're just a bunch of dumb ditch diggers. And everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it seems to be working yeah, out okay yeah, for yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I mean, that's, that's such a big part of it is like industry. The, the society looks at, the, at this industry and they're just like, yeah, those guys, they don't know what they're doing out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and certainly, you know, the the school system isn't really set up to to feed folks into uh, more blue collar work. No, because you can't make money off of that as a college. You can't make money off. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah, the higher education system yeah. doesn't win there. Yeah, yeah. But that's why I'm so okay. Yeah, there's this big workforce problem, but at the the other side of it is, I mean, I have no choice but to be optimistic about it because I'm 27. I got a lot of my career in front of me, and this is. The, the next generation of leaders right here as well. So this is a good audience to talk yeah, to about. Leaders. But with blue collar work, hands-on work, building things, I'm so optimistic about this problem being solved because it's so aligned with human nature. You get instant gratification. You go work hard and then you can see, look, I did this. You work alongside people all day long. You're outside. You have constant problems to solve. It's so cool. And I think there are so many people that are miserable in other careers, in more refined careers, or that's because what society told them to do, it, it, whatever it is. Yeah, they're, they're gravitating towards this. Yeah. But I, I see it exactly. a little more every day. Yes. I, I, as dumb as the social media thing is and as, as little credit as I give ourselves because I hate just having – being called an influencer. Yeah. Like that. I, yeah. I hate that, Tell but I do see it every day. Like somebody will message me once in a while or uh, like an old friend is like, oh, I've really been looking into what you guys are doing lately. I think I'm going to look into a job in construction because my job sucks. Well, like, but great. But, like, but awesome. to that, to that to point, I just got a message this morning from a guy. Hey, I, I'm in construction now. I love it because I found the industry through you. I got out of the military. I was yeah. wondering what kind of career to get into. Mm -hmm. Here I am. That's awesome. We're doing a good job at that, but we need to do it at scale. Yes. And build with we, us, two morons, mm -hmm. and a podcast producer. Uh, we have we, more people in our company than three. Yeah. We can, only, we can only do so much. That's where we need everybody to get on board, start telling stories, start highlighting people, start highlighting your career. Talk about what the heck you do because it's going to take all of us to actually solve this problem. Until mm -hmm. we all start talking about it, until we all start rowing in the same direction, we're going to have the same problem. Just don't step on our shoes. This is our market. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you want to start a business, back off. Yeah. <laughs> Pick your own industry. Um, why do you think uh, maybe some of the older companies in the world, why do you think they struggle to, uh, to reach a younger audience in the first place? Um, a lot of guys just don't get it. 
another thing is like a lot of a lot of older companies, family companies are just they don't want anything to do with it. They think that they're still going to hire people based off of either A, newspaper ads, Mm -hmm. or B, stealing people. You just can't do it anymore. Yeah. Bidding wars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And And that's not building a workforce. That's maybe building your labor force this month. Yeah, but it's a zero-sum game. Yeah. If I steal from you, I steal from you, you steal from me. We're not creating anything. There's no net positive gain there. And then the reality is people... This is such a competitive world that we all think we compete against each other. No, we don't. We compete against all the other industries mm-hmm. that are kicking our butts right now. That's the reality. And until we, until we start looking at each other as peers, hey, we need to help you out. We, I need to grow your workforce. You can grow my workforce. We can all grow together. Again, it's not going not gonna to change. I think the biggest, one of the biggest problems is the, the, the past generation, they approach the workforce problem from their perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They approach it from what I me as some 63 year old who what I would have wanted to see when I was 20. And that's a 40 year difference. That's a lot of change that's happened in the world. And that's just not how this next generation speaks, talks. And we're all human beings at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I don't think this generation's all that much different from the previous generation, but there is that difference there. And until we acknowledge that and start to meet younger people where they are, we're, we're going to, continue to fail to, to communicate with them. Well, and, and the other big part of it is working conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Working conditions. It, too. Like when I was, when I was working in the industry every day, it was almost impossible just to like go to the doctor uh-huh. because you have to work every day. There's just this stigma around gotta mm-hmm. work, gotta work, gotta work. You, if you're not doing 80 hours a week, then what are you even doing here? You must yeah. not take this seriously. Yes. Yeah. So I think that's a, another part of it is changing. And I see a lot of companies doing it lately. Um, you know, shortening their work week and working smarter to accomplish more in a smaller period of time Mm -hmm. so that their guys can have that time off. So we're not, you know, broken bodies by 45. Yeah. But it it all goes back to just accepting responsibility for the problem and saying, this is our problem to solve instead of just sitting around. Dang kids don't want to work. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Never mind. If only they would look in the classified section of the newspaper, they'd see we're (laughs) hiring. Yeah, why aren't they just knocking on our door? <laughs> Do you get a newspaper? No. I did read the newspaper through college, though. But I am a unique individual. Funny enough, the true. Last, that part's true. The last time I read a newspaper was at the landfill that I was working at. <laughs> that you picked was up it, off was the it ground. In the landfill? It, so yeah. we were digging through trash from the 50s to do a cell wall. Oh, that's pretty. And so it's an old you newspaper. can you can pick up a newspaper from 1952 and read Whoa. it like it was just printed yesterday. That's pretty cool. So in my when I, in my my 14 year old brain, I would pick up a newspaper. This is fun, and then I would smash the glass bottles because everything was glass. <laughs> I was gonna say, <laughs> were there bottles? Yeah, yeah, I would walk up to yeah. the wall and I would pick. Uh, I had the option of newspaper, glass bottles, or old needles. And I was uh, like, maybe not the needles, yeah. but the glass bottles are fun. Yeah, yeah that part so, yeah. fun. I had a great summer as a 14 to 15 year old. <laughs> I wonder why they don't allow 14 year olds to work in land. Jeez, I wonder. <laughs> That's strange. <laughs> uh, I, I want to follow up with a, a question that came through. Uh, it says the energy industry also has a people problem where talent is either leaving the industry or ignoring it altogether for more glamorous opportunities, glamorous opportunities. Mm. What can we do in our organizations to inspire that next generation to join the industry? Energy kind of gets punched in the face yeah. every day because yeah. of green. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was ju- the other day I was just, um, I was in New York and there's a, um, a coal fired, power plant up the road from the campground. I was like, oh, I'm going to go up there because there's like a D11. Like, one of my other stupid hobbies is I like to scroll Google Maps and find stuff to 
go watch. Mm-hmm. It's what everybody does. I'm, yeah. I'm a strange person. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, I'm going to go up there and uh, take pictures of this D11 with my drone, um, which is definitely not illegal at all. FCC loves that. So uh, much F- to my... F- FAA. Uh, it's FCC, isn't it? That guards the coal oh, power. I have no idea. Anyway. I'm sorry. Um, I should be correcting you. No, you, you shouldn't. I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. This is going great. Really, really great. <laughs> yeah. So uh, much we can, to my, we can edit that out, right? Yeah. We'll edit it out. It's yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. We'll edit it's not in front out. of Sorry. anybody. Much to my dismay, the power plant was actually closed because of the green initiative and the carbon offset of the power plant. So they're turning into a data center. Well, but this is what I tell. So we work with, in energy, we work with a lot of coal companies. Coal is still a vital part of our economy, our power grid. It's baseload power, whether we like it or not. That's reality. But the, the problem is, so what the coal industry's done is, like I said, they've hidden under their rock and said, just don't, just don't bother us. We're just going to do our thing. But that surrenders the narrative to somebody else. That allows somebody else to go wild with the narrative and tell people whatever they, whatever they want to say about the coal industry, true or not. And so they've surrendered that narrative. They haven't told that story. They haven't taken control of the narrative and said, no, this is actually the reality. And until you go to a coal mine, you think of coal as this, this dirty, terrible thing. You go to a coal mine, you're like, Wow, these are these are some of the nicest people I've ever met. Yeah, these are great. The coal mines we've been to are absolutely mind blowing, gorgeous, unbelievable, amazing people. The reality is so different from mm-hmm. what it's what the TV says. Well, and I myself had that same mindset until we started visiting. So I grew up in Northeast Pennsylvania, which is notorious for poorly managed coal mines yeah. up until recent history. Those coal mines were actually a lot of the reason why the standards exist for coal mines today. Well, which is a good thing. It is. I think that's a great thing. Yes. But to answer answer the question, I would start two places. How can we tell our story? How can we explain what the heck we do and why it's so important? That is pretty simple. And it doesn't need to be elaborate, but where's that starting point? How can we tell our story? How can we get the word out about what we do? How can we highlight our people? How can we highlight our work? How can we highlight our customers? What can we talk about? And it shouldn't be a chore. It should be fun. Who doesn't like to talk about what they do? It's awesome. That's what we're doing right now. We're having a great time. Yeah. But, well, two of us are. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> but what did I do? <laughs> I, so how do we tell the story? Two, again, taking that internal approach, how can I care for our workforce that we have today more? How can we care more? How can we recognize people more? How can we listen to them more? How can we be maybe a little bit more flexible from a working condition standpoint? How can we care for people more? Because if we care for people and they're stoked to be here, they're going to be telling their friends. Mm -hmm. They're going to be talking to their communities and their families and telling their kids. I mean, a lot of people don't want their kids to be in this industry. That sucks. That means we as an industry need to do a better job caring for them because they should want their kids to be in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say storytelling, which is really simple. It's completely free. Anybody can do it. I promise it's not as scary as it sounds. And then two, just asking yourself as a leader, how do I care for my people more deeply? Because if your people are happy, you're going to be able to solve your workforce problem from, from the inside out. Um, one of my new things that, I, that I'm preaching uh-huh. is do the opposite of what the railroads do. Because I've been following a lot of what railroads it's are doing not, lately. It's not the best. Just do the opposite of whatever those guys well, it's, do, it's, and you'll it's be just, fine. It's just all heavy industry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's all heavy industry. Yeah. It's not even to single out the railroads. I mean, it's it's oil and gas. It's construction. Yeah. It's mining. It's it's railroads. It's yeah. all, but it's all critical. Mm-hmm. We we can't roll over. Yeah. Well said. Thanks for the question. Well, I don't know if that was well said, but well, it's it was, it was sad. sad. Yeah, it was sad. Uh, 
I have a, a handful more questions if we was going to knock a couple out. Hit a couple. Yeah. Thanks, y'all, for submitting questions. We've got some time. Yeah, okay. some time. Cool. I can't I've, been, I've been managing this, okay? I've been manipulating you I, to say exactly I what I want you to say. I doubting your management skills. Let I, him produce. What, I just wanted some context. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. You're, You're welcome. Uh, uh, so, just in case, I prepared a couple questions in case nobody in here submitted any, which you guys are doing great. I'm going to combine two because they're both about the same thing. So uh, there's a question that we'd gotten recently. He had no faith in you guys. He <sighs> had my no mistake. faith. Oh, well, they might not submit questions. I'm going to make so this happen. You know what I mean? It's, it's on me. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I have a question that somebody sent to us recently that I have not actually asked um, this crew yet. But um, I also have a question from uh, Caleb who said in a similar question on the app. He said, I'd love to get your take on how I, as an engineer, can be a better teammate to those in the field to get everyone on the same team and complete the project. Whenever I'm on site, I try to form relationships and ask the questions, what can I do to make this project a reality? And what can I do to make your job easier? However, it often feels as if I'm fighting the negative stigma that all engineers should just pick up a shovel and learn how work is actually done. And this is an interesting question uh, because one, I have an engineering background, and that's totally true. The engineer shows up, and you're like, "Uh oh, how's bragging camp here? going?" Yeah, what? How's bragging camp going? It's going well. Yeah, yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> he's he's insecure. Oh, he I have an he doesn't have a, a fancy bachelor of science like I. I do. guess I'm kind of outnumbered in this room because yeah. everybody else. Yeah. Has. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is a highly educated group. Here. Um, uh, so, so I come from an engineering background. I understand that, but this is what we experience every time we show up on a job site. Mm -hmm. We show up on a job site. You, you, you were an operator, but still, people that don't know that oh, people call me an idiot every day. Make your shirts well, tucked in. You show yeah. up. You show up with a camera, and everybody's like, they yeah. don't want us there. No, they don't want us with cameras on their site. They're there to do work. They don't like to be highlighted. People like John Lee, they don't want their picture taken. They don't. People like John Lee have probably never had their picture taken. But we're trying to get that story out there because that it's so important. It needs to get out. And so how I do it is I basically just start, we're all human beings. How you doing? What'd you do this weekend? You know, oh, are you married? Do you have kids? How old are your kids? What do they do? And just start talking to people as human beings. Start to get to know, what are you guys doing today? Oh, I see you're putting in pipe. Why? You know, what kind of pipe is that? Oh, yeah. And then you might sprinkle in a, a term, you know, a term yeah. or two. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I see that trench box. That's looking good. Oh, okay. So this guy, he must know at least a little something. He's been on a job site before. And I start to just build that relationship and completely remove myself from the equation. I'm just there. Who are you as an individual? What do you, what do you enjoy? And what is the work that you're doing? People in this industry are very proud, very proud. There's big egos. Mm -hmm. People like to talk about what they're doing. What are you doing today? That's going to get someone talking very quickly. And once I have a little bit of that relationship, then I can start to figure out how I can help them. Mm -hmm. But if I come in, how can I help you? That's kind of selfish. I'm trying to figure out how I can do my job. Yeah, better. you're making it about you immediately. It's still about you. Yes. Whether it's, I'm still want to, I want to be helpful at the end of the day, but I'm still making it about me first and I need to make it about them first. Mm -hmm. And that has, has given me the opportunity to take pictures like this that don't exist because mm -hmm. I can get in that door and I can just treat them as another human being. And then they allow me to do what I do, which is tell their story. I usually just get in the way. Yeah. Well, he'll just, he'll just, he establishes rapport by, you basically steal machines from people. Yeah. So I, my, my new favorite thing is I'll just go get in the machine. Yeah. Start, if I see something. And I'm safe, sure they love that. We do it safely. We do it safely. Yeah. We, we fill out our JHAs. We watch the safety video. It's non-union sites. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Uh, I haven't done it on a union site yet. I have, no, you can't do I'm that. Not, I, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I don't have those. I don't uh, have the, those stones for that one. Well, yet. but but you, you, get, you get in a machine <laughs> and you show someone you can finish grade like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. So yeah. he's one of us. Yeah, credibility. Yeah. Yeah. Something I have and you don't. And then. yikes and what's what's wild about our our crew you know we've got we've got people on job sites almost every day of the week in multiple states all over all the time in uh, california and kansas city right now yeah which is crazy to me Uh and you know they're having to build that rapport and they're having to connect when you know, at the beginning of that conversation, it's going to seem like that's going to be pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that goes to what you're, you're saying, Aaron, like those, those people out there, they're not only trained, I guess, to be this way, but like we, we're also hiring people who find ways and are good at c- connecting with folks who are not like them because that's what we're, we're trying to do. It's like we're, we, we know we have a role that we want to play in the dirt world, make the dirt world a better place. That's the build with mission. And if, if we're kind of just going out there and being like, please move so I can get this beautiful shot. If you would just move and fix it the way I want it to be, that's not what we're doing. We're just telling the truth of what's already happening. Yeah. And allowing these people to tell the truth of what's already happening. Yeah. Correct. Well, and I think we, we all, again, going back to caring more, we all need to just act like everybody's a human being. I think it's, it's easy to get fooled into thinking people like John Lee, these people that are out there working, they're the same as the machines. They're just an input. It's just man hours. It's just a, a, a line item on a bid. It's not. These are human beings. These are people. They have families. They have feelings. They have emotions. There's egos. It's complex. But that's what's so special about the industry. The yeah. people. The people, man. The people. The, the, the equipment's exciting, but it's the people that makes it special. But we need to, to, to treat it more as, as a human equation, I think. And so that's what I would do in this situation. I would approach it from a human perspective first. Right on. Uh, I've got another question from Jacob. Do you have more interest from younger students who are learning about construction or from industry partners who need to outreach for their experienced personnel? Hmm. Probably a good mix of both. Yeah. Probably a pretty good mix of both. <clears throat> I think it's say. both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so on the experience side of things, what we've realized is there isn't really a standard of training. Everybody is just learns on the job. And so just because you know how to do something doesn't necessarily mean you know how to do it right. Mm-hmm. And then two... People in the industry, so I'm a, I'm a great operator, and then I'm promoted to foreman. Foreman, that's a different skill set. Just because I'm good at operating, I can cut grade of the dozer, that doesn't mean I can lead people, communicate, plan up, plan work, think ahead, order material. That's, that's completely different. And so we're giving the opportunity for those people to learn those skills. Leadership is a skill learn those skills to then actually be successful at what they do. Because if you work for a bad leader, you're going to go elsewhere. It sucks. It's not a good time. No one likes to do that. Mm-hmm. I don't know why you, just, you guys are still around. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. But well, we're I trying some news. <laughs> <laughs> I like do to we, announce here. Do, and uh, uh, do, do we need to have, uh, a, have a talk about this? Yeah, we can do it um, right now. So that's, that's the existing. And then uh, we're also approaching it from how do we teach someone who's never been on a job site what a job site is because to you it's second nature you've been around it your whole life me i started out when i was 18 i didn't know how to shovel i didn't know how to sweep with the broom i didn't know what a chop saw was i had to learn all that and it's it's funny because when we started down the road of training i had no idea how to get this i still have no idea how to get the stuff out of my brain onto paper Mm -hmm. and then into a video yeah it is one of the most challenging things i've done so far 
and I've done a lot of stupid stuff. Because but, you've never been formally taught. So no. to ask you, how to how do I teach this? Yes. Well, you don't know because you've never been formally mm -hmm. taught. You, and you, you didn't get it in a real like structured form. It was just figure it out until you picked up enough literally, pieces till you could do it. It was the literally go figure it out. Yeah. That's how I learned how to use GPS in a bulldozer. Mm -hmm. There's GPS in that bulldozer. Go figure it out. <laughs> I haven't used it before. You got 30 minutes. Go. Yeah. Um, so I, that... And there's no reference material mm -hmm. for like how to make a training platform. So like I have nothing to look at. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. oh, I can make it like this. No, I got to figure it out. So it's a, it's a combination of both. It's what, how can we break this down to bring someone who's never been on a job site up to speed and don't assume they know what you know because they probably don't. They haven't been on a job site. And then two, how do we equip people within the industry to lead more effectively, communicate more effectively, care for others? Um, there's as well as level up their own technical skills. I mean, that's a big part of that too. Yeah, yeah, because there's no guarantee they were trained the right way. For sure. Yeah, having to undo bad habits. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. its own thing, I'm mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Uh, well, next question from Rory. Do you think technology slash... Oh, sorry. Do you think technology slash automation will be able to replace the John Lees of the world, which solves the resource gap? Great question. No. Not at all. No. Um, that comes up pretty regularly it's it's becoming more of a thing i see a lot of comments lately like oh yep don't worry about that job it's going to get replaced with automation one day i would love to see a robot dig around uh 20 live utility lines um and most of which aren't marked like where we were in new york the other day yeah dig, dig next to that yeah uh or the stuff that that local 14 guy does yeah like that kind of stuff you can automate a lot of mining, you can automate a lot of big dirt work. There's still plenty of anomalies that exist in those realms. Those there, there is a lot of automation currently. So I think we're starting to hit the hundred thousand hour mark and a lot of um, automated haul trucks. There's mm -hmm. a ton of them in Australia. I think yeah. Utah has a bunch. Um, they're starting to automate loaders. They're doing excavators, things like that, but they're all doing super easy menial tasks. Um, and really the only purpose of automating them is to free up uh, operators to go do more complicated tasks that a robot can't do. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I think there's going to be a point where we're going to see standardized automation. Um, I think you're going to see it big time in over-the-road logistics and trucking. I think that one's definitely coming mm -hmm. faster than we think. But as far as, uh, hey, go uh, grade that slope and then trim it up when you're done. I don't think so. Because that's not a math equation. That's no, that's visually. I mean, a robot could do it, but I think it would it would take them ten times as long. Yeah, if you're if you're hoping on automation to solve your people problem, you're going to lose. Mm -hmm. um, if you're not adopting technology, you're going to lose. So it's not to say technology isn't essential nowadays. It's right. like, yeah, if you don't have GPS, what are you doing? That's a huge problem. Yeah, and. All the other people that do have GPS, they're just going to outbid you because they're more efficient, more effective. But that said, human beings, it's it's still there's so many variables to this world. You have weather, you have different utilities, different you know traffic, and different people and different machines. There's just so much variability. I've met with the people leading the automation charge in the industry. I've met with them. I know mm -hmm. that I was I was just I was supposed to call one yesterday. Mm -hmm. It's to replace the menial tasks so that you can free up operators, which are human beings, which are creative, which are good at those complex, creative tasks to go free them up, make them more valuable. Mm -hmm. But this will always be a human industry. Mm -hmm. I am very confident in that. Will technology and automation 
play a role, absolutely, but it will never replace. It will just make people, make creative people, talented people like John Lee more capable and, and better at what they do. Right on. Uh, well, thanks for the questions. I got one quick one and then we'll wrap up. Uh, I got a question from Elizabeth. She says, what's your favorite piece of earth moving equipment? Bulldozer. No question. Bulldozer? High, high track caterpillar dozer. Which one? D6 to D9. If you had to pick Easy. one. Easy. Easiest question all day. <laughs> Ask me another. I'd say I'm a big excavator guy. You're an excavator guy. You also, I think, have something of a reputation on the internet as being a skid steer guy. Big skid steer guy, too. Hold on. Yeah. No big, big skid steer flipper over guy. I did have a whoopsie in my skid steer. Yeah. Why isn't that picture up there? Uh, well, he told me not to put it up here. These people are all wearing jackets. This is fancy. We can't, <laughs> we can't be putting pictures like that up here. Accidents <laughs> happen to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. You guys can flip over your skid steer tomorrow uh, if, if you ever happen to have one. It could happen. <laughs> yeah, if you ever are in one, you could flip it over. But sure. To answer, to get away from this topic, sure. to answer the question, <laughs> excavators. Uh, great choice. Uh, well, um, before we wrap, I just wanted to say uh, thanks to the ECC crew and the planning committee, especially you guys have been great. Um, can we talk a little bit about how people can uh, like get to know more about BuildWid and follow y'all? No. Okay. Cool. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you're looking to, how know, do they find you, Eric? Yeah. Um, I live at nine three three seven Eastern <laughs> Road, Kentersville, Pennsylvania. Um, I'm only really on Instagram. Uh, at Eric Jumper, usually Eric underscore Jumper, uh, underscore Jumper. Thank there you. it is. There yeah. it is. You Since, know, you know more about me than I do. Yeah. Since um, I'm, I'm more important, I don't have an under, underscore. You don't. No it's underscores. Just, yeah. At Aaron Witt, you can find us on YouTube. Humble Aaron Witt, BuildWit, BuildWit.com. You can find us LinkedIn. We're all over the internet. Dirt Talk podcast on any podcast platform. Mm -hmm. And we is that everything you have? I think so. Okay. We sincerely apologize for wasting everybody's time today. Yeah. You will not get that time back. <laughs> yeah. It's gone forever. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. Have a good one.